Good morning. Open your Bibles to 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. It is not in our table bed talk, but you'll know this verse by the time we're done, if you don't already know it. During the pandemic, we found a on YouTube, as we were worshiping at home, as you were too, I'm sure, we found a, a young lady who sang This Blood. Her name is Rachel Chapman. And we watched that, and that just became a favorite song for Lunette and myself. And out of that, we began to, uh, I'm kind of an investigator when I find you on YouTube or Facebook. By the way, just a side note, be careful what you put on Facebook. Just be careful. Folks like me will snoop. I've had candidates that sent their resume for a job and I looked at their Facebook page and that was the end of their candidacy. Be careful what you put on Facebook. People are looking and I'm, I'm snoopy, so you know that about me. And so we began to find out and we, we, she was singing in the church and we found the church. It's First Baptist Church Menden in Louisiana. In fact, uh, a, a little over a year ago, Ned and I had the opportunity to go to that church and worship with them. Uh, and we plan to do that again. Um, and their pastor, Leland, is, has become a, a texting friend of mine. And he begins almost every worship service by saying, we've come today to brag on Jesus. That's our purpose here today. And we all come broken. We all come messed up. Maybe just to different degrees, but we're all in need of bragging on Jesus because there's power when we do that. What a powerful verse we just read or, or listened to in Philippians. And I want us to see that in this formula of walking with God, of being restored into right relationship with God as, as Solomon is dedicating the temple and, and he asks the question, Lord, what happens when we mess up? Because we all mess up. We all mess up. And God gives us this beautiful formula that we're going to spend some more time with. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If you're able, let me invite you to stand as a way of honoring the reading of this portion of God's Word. If we talked about that condition, my people, people of the name, we're called by my name, and here's our text for today, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and I'll heal their land. What a wonderful, wonderful formula of a wonderful truth. May God add his blessing to the reading and the hearing of his most holy word. Would you pray with me? God, give us a moment today to have ears that listen intently and hearts that receive gratefully and lives that are lived out because of that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, you may be seated. A humbling process. 
You may remember the Mac Davis song. Some of you will have to Google that because it was 100 years ago. But he had a song that was popular when I was a lad that said, Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. Each day I look in the mirror, I get better looking each day. And on that song goes, and you know, it, it was done humorously, I think. <laughs> but I think as uh, Belinda reminded us, if we're not careful, it can become our theme song. I am pretty good. I am in good shape. I love the story about a Texas ran rancher. Anybody here from Texas? Well, I know everything's bigger in Texas, and, and them Texans, you know, they got some humble issues, I'm just saying. I got a sister that lives there. Well, a Texas rancher met a Vermont dairy farmer, and the two men began to be talking, and the Texan asked, well, how much land have you got? And the dairy farmer said, well, I've got a pretty big farm. I've got 125 acres. Well, the Texan just about laughed. 125 acres, and you call that a farm? He says, man, I can get up every morning before sunlight, and I can start to drive across my farm, and I won't get there till sunset. The Vermont farmer said, yeah, I had a truck like that one time myself. <laughs> you know, sometimes we want to see what we've got. And we don't realize it's the path we're on. I want to give us three ideas this morning. If we are to be in this humbling process, then the first thing we're going to have to do is deal with pride. Deal with pride. Proverbs chapter 6 tells us there are six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven. A proud look is number one. And he goes on to mention other ones. He, he talks about lying. Wouldn't you think lying's worse than pride? He talks about spilling innocent blood, murder. That's definitely worse than pride. Why? Why did he begin that list of seven, six and one more, with a proud look? Because pride is the product of wrong priorities. Pride is the product of wrong priorities. Today, I wonder how we've entered the worship center. I wonder how we'll leave the worship center. I wonder if today this message on humility will be one we think, boy, I hope everybody here hears that. Or will we think, Lord, what are you saying to me? You see, it's easy to think too highly of yourselves like Vernon and Leo. I, I love the story about the preacher who was greeting folks, a young preacher at the door. He had not been preaching long. And, and one of the dear saints came by him, just trying to uplift him, which we're supposed to do. And she said, Pastor, I think you may be one of the greatest preachers of all time. Well, he had never been told that before. So he continued to greet people, and on the way home, he was, he, he was riding with his wife, and he said, you won't believe what sister so-and-so said. 
She said she thought I might be one of the greatest preachers of all time. His wife said, "Uh uh-huh. Well, it kind of got quiet in the car for a little while. And in a few moments, he said, honey, how many names do you think would be on the list of the greatest preachers of all time? And she immediately said, one less than you're thinking right now. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's easy. It's easy, and especially when we uplift one another, to begin to think, deal with pride, because pride is often the product of the wrong priority. Wouldn't it have been better if that preacher had said, glory to God, I'm glad that message spoke to you. We'll give God the glory. Sometimes, even in our worship, we can come for the wrong priority. We can can be members of the church for the wrong reason. There's a story told of King Louis the, the the 19th. And his priest... One Sunday he came to worship and nobody was there except the king and, and, and the, the pastor, the preacher. And the king said, what does this mean? His preacher replied, I published this past week that you'd not be in church today in order that your majesty might see who serves God in truth. And who comes to flatter the king? It's a pretty powerful image, isn't it? So you know I've got to ask us, why have we come today? Why are we here? What do we need and what would make a difference? For it's only when we deal with pride that we're useful for the kingdom of God. It is only when we deal with pride you can't be prideful and useful in the kingdom of God it's impossible Jesus tells us a wonderful story to illustrate this it's found in Luke chapter 18 let me just read it I begin in in verse 9 he also told this parable Jesus did to some who trusted in themselves old church there's a word trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. You know this parable. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast Twice a week. Leviticus required once a year. Twice a week. I give a tithe of all that I get. Verse 13 says, But the tax collector standing afar off would not even lift his eyes to heaven. He wasn't even worthy in his mind to look up. But he beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Hear Jesus' words in verse 14. I tell you, this man, the tax collector, 
This man went down to his house justified rather than the other. And he gives us a word, church. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. But the one who humbles himself will be exalted. If we don't humble ourselves, we will be humbled. That verse we just began in that video that there will be a day every knee shall bow. And every tongue shall confess. And folks, it does us no good to kneel when we can't stand. Time to humble ourselves is now. Is to come before God and to let, it, let him know and remembering where we've come from. There's a story of a Persian king who was rose to the, the throne from a poverty-stricken home. And once he became king, he sent his servants back to the old shack where he was raised. And he ordered them to bring most of the things in the house and put it in a room in the palace. They brought fragments of his broken toys and the old torn and tattered shirt, the only one he had, a crude wooden bowl from which he ate. And he arranged all these in one room. And they say that every day for one whole hour, he would go and sit in that room and on the wall hung a plaque, lest I forget lest I forget. Friends, do you remember the time you walked down the aisle with a broken heart and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. God, I know I've sinned. I know that separates me from you. I know you died on the cross to give me hope, to give me a life, to give me a way. And I love you, Lord. And I want to give you my life. And I want to live it the rest of my days for you. And I'm going to mess up. But your will, your spirit, they're going to draw me right back. Oh God, I want to remember. Not only this morning are we to deal with our pride, but we have to have a deliberate plan to deal with our pride. I have found that to become humble, it just doesn't happen. You can't just keep waiting for it to show up. There has to be some things you need to do. Life will always humble us. Well, I love the story about the visiting evangelist that was preaching. And at the end of the sermon, folks were coming by and they were saying gracious things to him about the message that he had just preached. And then this one lady, she walked by and she abruptly hollered, too long. And she kept walking. Well, he kind of shot him a little bit, but he kept going and other people were coming. But she cycled back through the church and got in line again. And she came by again. And when she came by again, uh, she hollered, too loud, too loud. Well, he was really shocked and now he knew her. He recognized her, okay? Lo and behold, she went and circled back one more time. And the last time she came by him, she looked and said, it was boring. It was terrible. And this time she kept walking. Well, the, 
The chairman of deacons happened to be near the evangelist and realized that he was probably shaken by this moment. And so he went to him and he said, listen, listen, she's a little touched. Y'all know what that means. Y'all with me on that? So don't worry about her. She doesn't know what she's saying. In fact, usually she only repeats what she hears other people saying. (laughs) Do you have a deliberate plan to humble yourself? People know. You see, we must intentionally make choices if we're to to humble ourselves. We've got to make those kind of plans, those choices that change our thinking and ultimately our action. Why did Proverbs 6 start with uh, a proud voice, a proud speaking? Why does it say a proud look is what God hates? Because pride can often derail the actions that we need to do. Many people think we're humble when we're not. It's it's easy to get things turned around. That's what Jesus said in in, in Luke 18, 14, that passage we read just a, a little bit ago. He says, as he concluded that story of, of the man that, that everybody would have said, if, if, if those two guys had shown up at Jonesboro Heights, the tax collector, don't think of an IRS agent. Think of somebody like Bernie Madoff, who just stole people's money and ruined people's lives. That's what they thought of tax collecting. And then you had the Pharisee, who was on every committee in the temple. Exio officio, I'm pretty sure. Knew the constitution of the temple. Knew the law, the Torah. Was seen by everybody as a man of God. And so if you had asked which one was justified, which which one left being forgiven, which one left righteous, A lot of people would have said the Pharisee. But hear what Jesus said. And he says to us, I tell you, this man, the tax collector, he went down to his house justified rather than the other. Listen to the last. Jesus turns it upside down. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted I was doing some reading and this week and I, I came across an avalanche and, and I didn't know that uh, around 50 people die every year in avalanches around the world I didn't know it was that big a thing and and there are actually if you were in those areas there are actually there's advice Because if you're ever covered up in an avalanche, not everyone who gets covered up doesn't survive. Some will be found, you've got a period of time, and some can find their way to move a little bit. And and there's advice what to do, because if you're disoriented, and it can happen, and you have your hands free, you may start to dig for your, your freedom while you're literally digging the wrong way. They said that there was a man who was found who had dug 30 feet 
deeper into the snow, thinking he was trying to get out. And they gave advice. I'd never heard this advice before. They said, if you can get your hand free, you remember this if you ever get caught in an avalanche, okay? I'm hoping not in Sanford, but anyway. You dig out, if you can get your hand free, you dig out right in front of your face. And then you spit. And if the spit goes down, you're facing the wrong direction. And you know to turn and start going up. That's what Jesus just said. If you exalt yourself, you're digging the wrong way. You're digging the hole deeper. You're getting further away from being rescued. Humble yourself. Can I say it? Spit in your face. <laughs> Spit in your face. To know you're headed in the right direction. To allow God. Allow God to do in your life what he wants to do. What he can do. I wonder today. Is the Holy Spirit saying to some of us, you're disoriented. You think you're doing it. You think you've got it under control. You think you're in control. You think it's going well. But I want you to know it's not. Today, I wonder, what indicators do we need to know we've humbled? Where's our focus? The Pharisee was trying to do church in his own strength. Every church in the land, we have people in the church trying to do it in our own strength. He was focused on himself. The tax collector, he came in his brokenness. He understood he was a sinner. He understood he was separated from God because of that sin. He realized he had done wrong. He realized he was outside the will of God. He realized what he'd been trying to do in his life, even though by all the indications of the world, because he was a rich man, he had all the money he could use. He could buy anything he wanted to. But his spirit was sick. And in that beautiful verse, he wouldn't even look up. He wasn't even worthy. He realized his condition. He realized that he had to change. He had to make a different choice. He humbled himself. Oh, it reminds me of Zacchaeus when Jesus came and went into his house. And when Jesus confronted him, do you remember the change in Zacchaeus? And he said, if, I, if I've taken anything, he had taken a lot, I'll restore it. Oh, when we humble ourselves, we become useful in the kingdom of God. That passage that we read, to have the mind of Christ. Do you want to be humble? Follow Jesus' example. Do you want to be humble? Do like Jesus. In Philippians 2, 7, it says, he emptied himself. Today, what do we need to empty, church? What do we need to bring and lay at this altar? What do we need to confess? What do we need to repent from? Taking the form of a servant. It says he humbled himself. 
And he became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You remember what Jesus said? You want to hear Jesus give you one of the greatest examples of humility? He said this, if anyone would come after me, let him first deny himself humility and take up his cross. One version says daily and follow me. Jesus is our example. He emptied himself. Can you imagine leaving heaven for a manger? And forget the manger. Leaving heaven for a cross. Leaving heaven, the throne, for a cross. He's our example. The form of a servant. When he washed the disciples' feet, he humbled himself and he became obedient. Our last thought this morning is it's a diligent process. To have a plan is wonderful, but the plan must be put into action. We must never, ever think we've arrived. There's a great story. I don't know if it's a true story or just a legend. But it comes back during the Revolutionary War of America. A man in civilian clothes was riding by a group of soldiers who were repairing a defensive barrier. Their leader was shouting instructions, but he made no attempt to help them. And he was fussing hard. Asked why by the writer, he retorted why he wasn't helping the fellow looked at the man in civilian clothes and he says, Sir, I'm a corporal and they are privates. I tell them what to do. I don't do it. The stranger apologized. He dismounted and he proceeded to go over and help get the job done and encouraging the young men as they worked. And then he turned to the corporal and he said, Mr. Corporal, the next time you have a job like this and you don't have enough men to do it, you just call your commander-in-chief and I'll come help again. It was Mr. George Washington. I wonder today, sometimes I feel like I just want to bark orders to God and say, you know, God, I think... I'm in charge in my life. I think I've got it under control. Today I want the commander-in-chief to show up. I want Jesus to show up and to remind me what areas in our life do we have a sense of pride? I read this week, and I want you to hear this last quote. For God to do something through us, God must first do something in us. For God to take our problems and our challenges and our failure and our sin and deal with them on the outside, we have to invite him on the inside. 
before he can do something through us, he's got to do something in us. God continue to shape us if, if people of the name will allow God to be our focus. So I ask us before we sing the invitation, where's your focus? God can do something in us if we will engage in the humbling process that he calls us to live and to walk and to be useful for the kingdom of God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Would you pray with me? God, in just a moment, we're going to open your altar. And Lord, I wish I could say there's not one person in this sanctuary today that has a pride problem. But Lord, I know beginning with this pastor, we all have that problem. And it interferes. It interferes in our home. It interferes in our church. It interferes in our walk with you and in our community. Today, God, you're speaking. I feel your presence. And I would simply ask, God, that your people who are called by your name would humble themselves. During this invitation here, in Christ's name we pray. Amen. This morning, I don't know what God may be saying, but I know now is an opportunity in our worship for us to respond. You can stay right where you are, but if God leads you to the altar, if God encourages you to make a public decision, whatever that might be, may we do so as we now share our closing here.